On today's episode, I'm chatting with my friend Jennifer Baptista. We talk about the art of home energy clearing and tarot readings and how she incorporates her spirituality in her real estate career. We also discuss her journey through miscarriage and infertility. I'm so proud that I get to call this badass warrior my friend and I'm so grateful that she was willing to share her story with us. I hope you are as moved by this conversation as I was. I would be so grateful if you'd like, subscribe, and leave a review, and also please share with anyone else who you think would also enjoy it. I'd also love to hear from you on Instagram at K-R-I-S-T-I-N-M-I-C. Okay, let's dive in. Hi, my name is Kristen Michalizzi. I'm a mindset and empowerment coach, a mother of four, a proud wife, a sister, a friend, and a lover of life. Each week, I want to bring you conversations that will touch your heart, make you laugh, inspire you, teach you, and help you grow into the fullest, realest version of yourself. I believe when we dare to be vulnerable and share our stories, we see the humanness of one another and often recognize the bravery inside of ourselves. Whether it's extraordinary or seemingly ordinary, everybody has a warrior story. Welcome to The Warrior Within Us. Hello, Jen. So glad to have you here. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Living the dream. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm so excited that you agreed to come and talk to me and um, share some of your story with my audience. Um, Just to give them a little bit of a background, You and I have um, connected a few months ago now, I guess it was. I I keep saying like this whole time of COVID is like everything's a time warp to me. (laughs) Like I don't know when I did what when, but I try to sort of figure out timelines and it's not always so easy. But I think it was a few months ago that we participated in a mastermind together and Mm -hmm. um, I was, you know, I know a little bit about your story and totally think you're a badass and was like, she's coming on my podcast. And so we've been talking about it for a while and finally pulled the trigger. So why don't you just share with the audience sort of who you are, what you do, um, and we'll go from there. All right. Well, hey, hey, hey. Hi, everybody. I am Jen Baptista. I am, I'm a spiritual realtor. So my like day job is I am a realtor in the greater Boston, North Boston area. Um, I love my job. It is like, I love being a part of someone's story. Buying a home to me is like, that is the biggest financial commitment you make in your life. And just to be a little blip on someone's story makes me so happy. And then the side part of that is I and like, I say people time, are you a good witch? Are you a bad witch? Because everybody has a little witch in them. Um, and I do home cleansings. I am a Reiki practitioner. I am a tarot reader. I am all those fun things. I just really discovered this side of me during the pandemic and when there was like nothing else to do. So I started just investing in myself and investing in courses and it's led me down just a beautiful path. Um, And I look back now and I had some, you know, parallel similarities in my past time, but this past year and a half, um, I have very much the privilege to say that the pandemic was awful, but I did take the time and I used it in the best way that I do possible. So I'm also a mom, a wife, 
Um, I have three kids. I have a daughter who's nine and twins who are six. Um, I have one child who is uh, on the spectrum and then I have a complex medical kid. So they pretty much keep me on my toes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know all about that, right? Um, so that's really interesting. When did you sort of realize you could merge the two, like your spiritual side and real estate? Cause I think that's like an amazing combination. And I actually think like our spiritual side in any business you want to talk about is a good combination, but, um, you know, how did you sort of like combine the two and how do you think you used your spirituality to guide you in business? So it's a funny story. So my brother bought a, I, so my brother and I worked on a transaction together. He bought a house. Um, and he messaged me one day and he was like, dude, you sold me a haunted house. Like I, and my brother is like, does not believe in this stuff, but he was like him and his now wife. He's like, we can like, they would be in their bedroom and they could like see a figure like in the hallway. And his wife, Kelly would be like, I feel someone following me. I don't feel comfortable. It's not like a nice presence. It's like a very unwanted one. I was like, all right. So I had just started like learning about this stuff. So I was like, I'll come over and I'll stage. And I just kind of started going through their house. And there were just certain spots in the house where the energy was just so, so intense. Literally from the basement, like straight up. It was like almost like a fireman's pole that went like straight through just a portal of bad energy. So I got upstairs to outside their bedroom. I felt really bad. And I looked above and it was the pull down from the attic. Mm. So I was like, all right, let me go up there. And I went up there and there was like random, like, furniture and it wasn't like new furniture it was like do you remember like in your grandmother's house they would have the old bed post with like the pineapples on the top like it was old furniture yeah I think my sister-in-law said she saw a date of like 1876 maybe she went and looked at it so I went up there and it just felt very eerie and when I turned around there was a beam that went across um the attic and there was a rope hanging mm. so it was we're guessing that something must have happened in the house because it went straight through. So we cut the rope. I explained to my brother, you cannot just throw this in the trash. Don't throw it in somebody else's trash. Yeah. You have to burn it. You have to pray on it. You really have to do like all of these things. Um, and they did that. And Bob, as we lovingly recall him now, the Bob the ghost is still there, but he's much more and like a much happier presence when he does come around now. So that's how I kind of got into that whole side of like home cleansings because it was just like the house was beautiful. It was their dream house. And then like, once you got in there, the energy was just, it was very intense. Wow. So that's how I got into the whole home cleansing thing. And my brother's like, we laugh about it to this day. Um, you know, I teach people like, this is how you can sage. This is how you do personal upkeep. When I do home cleansings, I actually kind of tailor them to the person or the family. So if you're, you know, if you're Catholic and you're super into your faith, you know, if you're Sudanese or if you're Italian, like every culture has their own way of blessing a home. So I tailor that to your specifics to help give you maximum benefits for your home to like bring your ancestral faith into you more. And it's just, that's, what's going to radiate throughout the house. That's how I kind of look at it. Mm, That's awesome. I wonder too, like if there's a piece of helping people use their intuition when they're like 
looking for a house. Cause I just feel like there's a whole energy piece in like the space once they've already mm-hmm. like chosen their home, but just like in the decision-making process of like, is this home right for me? Or like, you know, um, I just feel like that would be such a, that's just an awesome combination that I don't think is like that, um, I don't know, common to hear about or find, but I feel like it would be so beneficial. I tell people all the time, like, obviously in this market, it's so crazy. And I tell people, like, I've had clients like lose like tons of homes. And I'm like, that wasn't your house. That mm-hmm. is universe telling you that's not your house. For whatever reason, that is not your house. Mm-hmm. So it's very, um, I t- like, I try to like instill in people, like there, everything happens for a reason. I tr- like, coincidence is not really for me anymore so if something comes up like you never know um but I do try to tell people like when you come in like when you do get a new home like you should really like cleanse it you don't know what kind of energies are being left over from certain people yeah yeah that's amazing. So cool. And then um, like you would clean the bathroom, right? Before that's you, true. Clean, you should clean the energy. That's totally. how I look at it. Totally. Absolutely. Um, and then you're also doing work with tarot reading. When did you get I do. into that? Um, I got into that. So um, my friend, Lizzie Muse, I will give her a shout here because she is just a phenomenal, phenomenal teacher. Um, she started doing a class called uh, Spirit School, School of Spirit, and you learned a little bit about everything. It was like a little poo-poo platter. So we had crystals, chakras, spirit guides, altars, tarot, astrology, and I did tarot and I just, I could not get enough of it. Mm-hmm. I love it. It is like I tell, I was actually just talking to a friend and I said, everybody has something in them that's magical. And mm-hmm. that's just mine. Um, I connected to it so much. To me, it is just like such a sense of peace. Like if I go a day or two without getting to my deck, like I don't feel like I feel like I'm missing a limb. So mm-hmm. it's just something that resonated with me. I feel like I'm very blessed and I've been gifted such a talent. Um, you know, it's just about kind of finding your niche and this is mine. And I'm forever grateful for learning this. I will probably still take tarot classes until like the end because every deck, it's like, every deck is like a person, like everything's different and everything kind of has its own meaning. Like, you know, it's when you're reading tarot, I try to explain to people, like, you don't just read it, like each individual card, you have to like, look at them all. And it makes a story. Mm. And sometimes that story has sad parts and some of it has really happy parts, but there's always a beginning and a middle and the end. Mm. And it will always give you the guidance that you need. It's like a little roadmap for life. You read my cards and it was amazing. I loved it. So I'm all, yes, I remember you, we had a lot of, a lot of pickups along the way. Yeah, totally. That was awesome. Gianna came through. Yeah. Anthony came through. Yeah, totally. You're like, hi, this is yeah. my reading. <laughs> so good. So good. So, um, let's talk a little bit about like, you know, I've been having guests on here and I tell everybody that like, I really want this to be a place that like everybody can come to because I really believe and I've said um, many times that everybody has a warrior story but really when we look at our lives we have like a ton of warrior stories right and some of them are big and some of them are smaller but they all sort of like make up who we 
are and like who we continue to evolve to be over time. So when um, we did our mastermind together, I learned a little bit about you and some of your experiences and was like, just totally inspired by you and who you are as a mom and who you are as a human. So um, when I said to you, like, come on and talk, like you had a few different like topics that you thought you could bring. And I just said to you, like, whatever resonates with you when you hear the word warrior is really what I'd love you to come share. So um, why don't you just like off the cuff, tell me when you hear the word warrior, like what is the story or the stories that come to your mind and um, make you feel that you have that warrior within you that I know you do. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I would probably say the first thing I think of warrior, um, and this has come up for the past couple of weeks is, um, all my babies are miracle babies. Are, well, every baby's a miracle baby. My babies are IVF babies. Um, Katrina Scott, the girl from tone it up. She's getting a lot of coverage because she would did the sports illustrated, um, I think the swimsuit and the fashion show. And she's literally going through fertility treatments right now. Mm. And it's brought up a lot of like stuff that went on at the time, because when you're going through fertility, and I say it all the time. I actually, I don't want to say mentor work with, but I, friends and family who know someone going through treatment, send them to me because I was very open about my journey. It's a very, it's hard. It was probably like, of like the things I've gone through is probably like the hardest of oh, the loneliest, mm. you know, everything's on you, the shots, the blood draws in the morning, the ultrasounds, you know, having surgery. <laughs> I will never forget the day we're sitting talking to my doctor and he was like, okay, well, here's the, you know, permission slip or the sheet that you signed saying, God forbid something happens and um, you died, you won't sue us. I was like, why would I have anesthesia? And he was like, how do you think you get your eggs out, honey? I was like, I don't know. I haven't done any research. And he was like, good, don't do any more research. But I just... I didn't realize like how, you know, you hear shows of like, oh, I just did in vitro and like they take up shots and it wasn't, it's a whole entire lifestyle change. Um, the ups and downs are so, and it's not even from, I would say the meds, it's from, you know, you have, I remember one of my friends said, just to warn you someday, you're going to have this, it's like, you get like this breaking bad, like meth hit at home with like dry ice and you have to like, you're measuring and it was just so, so much. I remember our first time that we did it, you know, we had two embryos implanted and my husband and I went out on a Saturday night. We went to see like his favorite singer we had went out to dinner. We had a great night. And the next morning woke up and I was just gushing blood. And I was like, mm. oh my God. And nobody prepared me for that pain. And I remember they were like, you still have to come in and get your blood taken. And the nurse called me and she said, you know, your numbers are, I think like low twenties. She's like, so we can't do anything until your numbers get to zero. And I was like, okay. And she's like, but you have to keep coming in every day until they get your blood taken every day. And I remember being on the phone. I was like, F you. And I slammed the phone down. And then I called her back five minutes later. I said, I'm really sorry. I did that. She's like, not the first, you won't be the last. And, you know, then we, you know, we went through the whole process again, because I only had those embryos. So I had to start over all the needles and getting myself ready. You know, people don't understand that you have to, like, you get your blood taken every other day. 
or every day to find out where your levels are. You have ultrasounds to check your lining. You know, I was doing this at 5.36 in the morning and then going to work full day. So, and then you have the surgery to get the eggs out. How many eggs did you get? How many are viable? Then you have, you know, the embryos. It's just, it was so, so much. And I remember when they put my daughter in, they were, she actually had, a, a, there were two. And thank God, you know, I was very happy to end up with the one, with one, but in it, you don't, you know, they're like, you need to like relax and stay calm. It's good. And it's like, everything depends on this, you know? Mm. So we had done so many, I joke all the time. <laughs> it's so bad. No, uh, B, I, I, and no matter what you're going to say, I always say like, I can joke about this because it's like my story. So like, if I make a joke about my son, Anthony or whatever, like, it's like, I get to joke because this is my story and I can tell it the way I want to. So I remember one time my husband couldn't come and my best friend came and she was like, she, I think she had such a different like respect. Like when she was like, dude, this is like a surgical place. I was like, yep. <laughs> and she was like, and they sit there and they give you, you know, like with, we had a frozen cycle. So they have to thaw them and they give you a report about, you know, did they survive? What are they at? Like, what, what do they look like? And I remember the doctor, he gave us a report and it wasn't great. And I just sobbed walking into the OR because like you're awake when they implant them. Mm. And she was holding my hand and she was like, dude, I don't know how you do this. And I was like, what I have to do, it was just like, I would, we would go to family parties and I'd be walking in with my cooler of meds, like my syringes, because you had to take, you know, your, you had to take your shots. Like the same time every night, I went to a new kids on the block concert at the garden and I brought in my meds in like a pocketbook in a bag because I had to do my shots at seven 30 at night. Like you just you find where there's a will, there was a way. So mm. I was going to do whatever it took to have babies. Um, and then oddly enough, when my husband, when we had the twins put in, my husband couldn't be there and I had to go alone. And I remember walking in right before they told me, they said I had had my surgery to get the eggs taken out. Um, they only had two embryos which were the twins, um, to work with. Cause that's all they could. That was all that was the other ones weren't viable for freezing and they, cause they wouldn't, you know, they couldn't freeze them and they wouldn't thaw. So I only had two. Um, and I didn't qualify for surgery again because I had complications. My blood pressure kept dropping. So that was, this was it. This was it, the do or die. And I remember walking in the air and I was alone and I was so scared. And I remember them being like, these are the best embryos you can get. Like we never promised twins, but you're going to have twins. And I remember just sobbing and sobbing. And I called my husband. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I was like, no matter what comes of this, I just can't do this anymore. I'm like, it's literally killing me. Like we have our daughter. We are so lucky. Some people don't get this. I was like, but I, I can't do this anymore. It was just gut wrenching. But on hindsight, on looking back, I, when I started doing fertility, that's how I found acupuncture. Um, 
my facility was really great. Like they were very big on Eastern and Western medicine. So they had a whole side that had Reiki and acupuncture and things for people going through treatments for a way to like help and heal yourself. So mm. I'm very grateful for that, of like learning that aspect then. Well, I can't imagine not having some level of support because yeah. I mean, I'm 41, I have four kids. So I know a lot about pregnancy and all of the things, but you're telling me these stories. And I can honestly tell you, I had no idea. The only thing I've seen is like those amazing, um, powerful images of like people that put all their needles, like in a heart Mm -hmm. and then a baby in the middle or whatever. And so I, you know, have made some minor assumptions about what that would be like to go through, but I don't know I probably do know people personally that have been through fertility and I, I don't even, I can't even think right now who they are because it's such a, um, I imagine such a lonely process and not the average person just doesn't, unless you've been through it, doesn't even know. Um, and I think that that's sort of a problem that, you know, people, so many people are going through this, like not just, it's not rare, Um, so many people are going through this and we don't, you know, we don't hear about it. And I don't, I don't know if, I I don't know what the answer to that is because I certainly like respect people's privacy and, and I think people's, um, ability to be vulnerable is a personal choice. And like, you know, there are people that want to share their stories and people that don't, but I feel like we need to talk about this stuff more because I, you know, it's like the whole concept that like, we just need to be kind to one another because Mm -hmm. you don't know what somebody's going through. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the things that you're telling me about what you've been through, I just, I can't imagine. And the fact that there are people, you know, how many people am I going to come across in the next few days that are going through something similar, but I don't have any idea. Um, so I think that's, you know, one issue is just like being kind to people because you don't know what they're going through. And also um, just being aware of this sort of common thing that people go through. And, you know, the, the other thing it makes me think about is when I um, learn of somebody that's early on in their journey as like a special needs parent, whatever. The number one thing that I say is find your people, like connect with people who understand what you're going through because most people won't. And, you know, if you, that is like the saving grace, I think is just finding community and connection with people who understand not because they heard your story but like they've also been through it so that they can really understand where you're coming from um and I'm just so happy for you that you have your babies like in that you went through what you went through and you know you came sort of out out the other side so to speak and now you have your kids and um I just funny because we have they give you when they implant the embryos, they give you like a little picture of like, however, so we always had two. So I literally have a picture of like Josie and the other embryo that was in there. Like you have like, that's literally baby's first picture. It's so amazing. Um, I saved all of them, you know, even when we had cycles that didn't work, you know, I still kept them. Those were still my kids. Like those were still my babies. Like 
it's so much. And then I didn't even, we were so blessed. Um, we had amazing insurance. It covered all of our stuff. There are people who pay tens and tens of thousands of dollars just, just to get to this, mm. and, you know, or like uproot their life and like have to move to like places that, you know, require insurance to cover. Yeah. It's so like, the, like we didn't have to worry about the monetary aspect. So the, like, I know people who have had to pay so much and it's just like, that's how much they want to have a child. It's, I find those people just so amazing and so astounding. It's incredible. Like they literally will jump through any hoops just to make it happen. And I've thought, knowing that I was going to talk to you, I was thinking back on like my journey and I, feel like that's like when I kind of you know when you're going through something you know if they were like eat poop in a bag every day twice a day I was like I would have shoveled it right in and <laughs> I feel like I found my way to started talking to like God and the universe again like I say the same when I started going through this journey I started saying the same prayer every night dear God I thank you for my gift of today and that's how I go to bed every night I've done it every night since I started infertility treatments um like 10 years ago, um, I used to wear St. Gerard. He's the patron, it's weird, but he's the patron saint of motherhood. Oh. So I had like medals. Somebody brought me home. It was a little doll from Mexico that was supposed to help with fertility. I had little rosary beads. I mean, I did everything. And I, but it, it was just sometimes nice to have something like tangible to hold when you were in like, in the weeds of it. And just be like, all right, like I'm just gonna hold this and just pray for a minute and just get myself back to like a breathing moment. And I've been given, I've sent those things off to like friends or people I know who are going through treatment. And I said, well, you know, when your journey's done, um, pass it on and just keep it going. Like the sisterhood of the traveling pants, it's the sisterhood of St. Gerard Troms and little baby Mexican dolls. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that the that just brings up this um idea that like sometimes we're looking especially in these like medical situations that aren't really medical you know they they are to a certain extent but last week I had a conversation with um Sarah Baroud who is now doing the perinatal mental health um work and it's like that piece of it can't be missing from the conversation you know like how are we supporting ourselves and each other, not just physically and medically, but spiritually and um, emotionally, because you can't separate the two. And I think that that's like, hopefully over time that will be part of the equation collectively, instead mm -hmm. of just like, well, you're lucky enough to have had the knowledge or people that were, you know, supporting you. But what about somebody who isn't as resourced that's going in for these treatments that doesn't sort of either recognize or realize that like the emotional piece is like so important like and I think that that's sort of the downside of this whole thing is that like that isn't always a part of everybody's equation it's like you had that information but you know there's probably a lot of people that are just going in for these treatments and they're sort of ignoring the fact that there is such an emotional component that um 
like that if you don't have that, that this stuff could really break you, you know, um, because it's just so much to go through. And if you're not sort of nurturing your emotional um, well-being, you, where do you go from there? You know? So I actually have a a friend, if she hears it, she's going to die, but I have a friend. I talk to her a lot through her journey. And so you don't take, um, when you go through, like, if you do like IVF, and I believe I, you take this thing called a trigger shot, sets off like, um, it makes you ovulate. But because of that, they tell you you can't take a home pregnancy test because you get a false positive. So you have to get a blood draw. So my friend got her blood taken. She went through IVF, she got her blood taken. And she called me before she called her husband to tell her that. <laughs> Twice. She did it both times. And she was like, oh my God, I did it again. I'm like, that's okay. She's like, you've just been, you know, you really need, and like something so intense, like you kind of have to find like your tribe. And there's obviously a lot more like spotlight on it now. You know, a a huge thing now is um, secondary infertility. People who got pregnant the first time having no trouble at all and then can't get pregnant the second time. Mm -hmm. It's a huge, huge um, conversation in the infertility world. And it's really hard. for those, I mean, it's obviously hard for everybody, but it's, it seems like it's extra, almost frustrating. Cause like, it's like, I don't get it. You know, I had all the tests and they couldn't figure out why I couldn't conceive on my own. Um, I actually did end up conceiving on my own. Josie was five months and my husband said, well, we'll just try. And I did get pregnant. And I unfortunately did lose that baby um, mm-hmm. around like 13 weeks. Um, you know, sometimes your body just needs to like control all delete itself. But then after that, I just went back to the infertility world. It's just, it's just such like a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, it's, I used to really struggle with, I couldn't understand the fact, like you're literally putting in an embryo, like you're putting in a baby and it's just, you know, like sometimes it just doesn't take. I was like, well, what happens? Like I was picturing like these little embryos, like holding onto the side of my uterus, like help me. Mm. And then they would have fall. And they're like, well, that's not how it happens. Yeah. I was like, this is what I picture. Like, where do they go? What happens to them? Like, are they okay? Um, it's just, you know, it's such a mind and it's very like, obviously your, you know, your partner, like whether it be your husband, your wife, whatever, um, they're, they're there, but it's like one of those things, like, unless you're like really doing it, like you're in it, you're, it's very lonely. Mm. So, yeah. Like my husband would, was amazing. He was supportive, but you know, at the end of the day, like it was me like going into those things by myself. And I couldn't even imagine people going through this, going through COVID, like walking in, doing all of this stuff by yourself. You know, it was just, it's just a lot. And I don't, I believe it's every one out of every eight women experience infertility. And I just hate that there are women, some women just kind of suffering in silence. Like you don't, there's a whole world of women um, waiting to open you with like open arms because mm. it's a war. It's like a war on like your body, your mind, your soul. Like I remember asking my fertility doctor, what, what, you know, I believe the first IVF baby was 20, 25 years ago. The anniversary was just a couple weeks ago. I remember asking my doctor, like, 
well, you're pumping with me with all these drugs. Like, do we know what's going to be safe in like 20, 25 years? Like, am I going to go all through this, go through all this and end up getting like ovarian cancer or breast cancer because I'm pumping. And he was like, I don't, I don't know. Mm. He's like, but that's going to be like the risk you're going to have to be willing to take. And I was like, all right, well, let's do it. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it's a very much like, it was a very much a mental battle. Um, but like I said, I don't regret one second of it. I'm so blessed to have three beautiful children. You know, I have, I have three, no, four babies above who get to watch over their siblings every day. I mean, I'm very, I look back now and the trail is very long and there were a lot of tears, but there are a lot of happy tears mm. as well. Mm. So and I think in anything, honoring the like grief and the sadness and like the struggle and realizing that at the same time you can hold like gratitude and joy, um, you know, because I think a lot of, there's like a mis misconception out there, misperception. I don't know what, if I said that right. <laughs> anyway, there's this idea that like, if you're positive, you're ignoring like the struggle or the grief or like, you know, just like power through it. And, you know, you just have to be positive and believe that it's all going to work out. And I think that that's, a, that's sort of misunderstood that people who are tend to be positive or like talk about, you know, positive thinking or like mindset, whatever, are ignoring the other side of it. And I think it's like the complete opposite. It's like honoring the struggle and recognizing the grief so that you can move past it. Or, you know, maybe you never actually move past it, but you can hold it and realize that, yes, I can hold this grief and I can be sad and I can be pissed even, but at the same time, I can also be grateful and, and be happy and appreciate the, what I do have. And, mm -hmm. and I think that that's, that's the key. The key is like, we don't have to ignore the struggle. Actually, we can't ignore the struggle because it's going to keep knocking if we ignore it. So let it all in and, you know, then be able to, to choose what you're going to carry with you um, and what's going to sort of run the show. You, you know yeah. what I mean? So I have a, when I suffered my miscarriage, um, I had to go to the hospital because I was just, I, it was bad. I was gushing. And I remember there was this nurse and they had to do um, what's called a DNC where like they remove everything. Um, I was bleeding so bad. They literally did it while I was like wide awake. And I remember this nurse, mm -hmm. I, was I was screaming in my head, but I, my husband said I wasn't making any noise, but I was screaming in my head. And this sweet nurse kept talking to me and she was like, my mother, she had four miscarriages and she just never talked about it. She's like, but she just carried the sadness every day. And she kept talking, like she was the sweetest woman. She made me feel so comforted. She's like, you know, know you'll get through this. You know, there are people who are here to support you and love you. So I went to my OB and I said, this is the woman's name. I really want to like write a letter. You know, she got me through this horrific moment in our lives. And she was like, Jen, I have no idea who you're talking about. She's like, I looked up and she's like, there was nobody whose name. She's like, there was no one named that night working that. I was like, mm, if there was. And she was like, no, I looked. She's like, 
nobody, I think her name was Deborah. She's like, there was no one named Debbie working that night. I was like, but she was with me. Like she told me stories about her mother. She was like in her sixties. She was so nice. And she was like, I looked, she's like, because I, you have something beautiful to say about an employee, you know, the hospital wants to know. And she was like, I, there's nobody named that. And I was like, wow and I truly believe that woman was just I don't know who she was I mean she could have been a custodian lady I don't care who she was but she got me through you know an excruciatingly hard time and I just feel like God put her with me when I needed it the most and I joked when they Josie was implanted there was a doctor who was so hot was uncomfortable (laughs) He was like New Zealand or Australian. He was so handsome. And when they had music on in the operating room, everything's done in an OR. So they had music on. And when they put Josie in, Freebird from Let It Skidded was playing. Wow. So whenever I hear Freebird, I'm like, that's my Josie girl. Oh, I love so, that. I, yeah, love I always that. ask that they have music playing so I could have like, like a song to like kind of focus on at the moment. Yeah. But, I love that. So mm-hmm. that's funny. So Anthony, um, when, whenever he goes into the OR, um, they always like say, you know, bring a favorite stuffed animal or anything. And they'll say what provides him comfort. And I say, well, they always, um, well, when he was little, little, they would sing to him in the OR and they, they joke. Cause they're like, oh, we don't want to sing, but I'm like, Anthony loves it when loves music. Can you sing to him? And now, um, we discovered a couple of years ago that he loves the song Africa um, and by Toto. So he, I was like a couple of years ago, I was like, can you, like, he, he loves music. Can you guys play him music? And they're like, sure. What's his favorite song? And I said, he loves um, Africa by Toto. So now every time he goes under anesthesia, they play that song and um, they think it's the coolest in the OR. <laughs> but um, now I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'm giving him like, maybe he's having like trauma from like listening to that song, like he laughs. <laughs> and I'm like, is this the good laugh or the uncomfortable laugh? Cause I'm like, now every time he hears that song, he's probably like, oh great. Like, am I going in for in the car? He's like, I don't want to go to the hospital. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it is, I think like, let's be honest, like whatever strategy you use, like Mm -hmm. find something that gives you comfort and peace in a challenging time as sort of like an anchor to like, this is what's going to help you get through. And even when it feels trivial or silly or whatever, it's like, find that thing that like comforts you. And now look, now you have this like beautiful memory that this song reminds you of this time and you can look at your daughter and it's all just like so special. So I think it's amazing. Well, I think you're amazing. I think you're a total badass warrior. I want you to like come cleanse my house and I don't even know if it needs it, but I want you to do it anyway. And um, so- You already know, you can feel your energy. <laughs> yes, I, I think it's. I think we have pretty good energy. Although it's really interesting because the guy that built this house, um, he's passed through here. Like he lives out in Utah now. And he, the only reason I know that is because he passed through here, like on his way to visit someone in New Hampshire and asked if he could like tour the house and the kids were really little. And I was like, this is making me uncomfortable. And it's like one of the times that I can remember that I really asserted myself. And I was like, Oh, I don't know if that's a good idea because he like wanted to see where like 
the kids' rooms were. And I was like, this is weird. So maybe there's a little bit of his energy left here that I oh. need to kind of let go. <laughs> My cousin has an, she just bought an old house. Her and her, her fiance are doing over. It's like an old, old, old house. And my sister was saying that people like knock on their door all the time. Like, oh, I used to live here. I'm so-and-so used to live here. Like, come I, can I come and look at it? Um, no, 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 no. Where it's still, there's still a pandemic somewhere and no. Right. Yeah. No. It's so interesting to me. It's so no, interesting. I have like specific crystals like over my doors. So like, if you're bringing in any sort of like toxic negativity, you can just check that right there. Yeah. I love it. I love it. it on the way out. Yeah, totally. All right. So if people want to find you for tarot readings or house cleansings, or if they want to sell their house in there in your general area, yep. how can we find you? Give us all the details. I am on Instagram. It's Jen Vining with a V like Victor, Jen Vining, V-I-N-I-N-G. Um, Jennifer underscore Vining underscore Baptista. Um, I'm the spiritual realtor. Um, I am also on Facebook. Um, I'm around. You can find me. I'm, you'll see me floating through your places anytime. Um, I would love to you know, connect with more people if you know, someone needs help, um, especially if people are obviously after this conversation, if you, know, you or you know someone who's either going through infertility or about to start or have any questions, um, send them my way. Um, you know, I I've donated my time to do Reiki on women going through um, infertility. It's a very, very, something that I hold very near and dear to my heart. Um, like kind of like a badge of honor. I remember I would be in the supermarket and people were like, oh my God, you have twins. Like, yes. I like, go oh, to twins around your family. I'm like, no, they're IVF. And they're like, oh, they're so taken aback. And I was like, well, I was like, you just asked a personal question. It's the part of my family. Just gave me an answer. But it's very... I've always been very open and honest because if I can help one person along the way, then my job is done. You know, I love that. I love that so much. Thank you so much for, Thank you for having me coming in. I know we have more conversations in our future for sure. So yes, we'll pick a different topic next time. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. And Thank I look you. forward to talking to you soon. Thank you so much. All right. What an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it and you want to hear others like it, I would love it if you check out the links in the podcast description. I'd be so grateful if you would subscribe, leave a review, and share it with anyone who would also enjoy it. You can also find me over on Instagram at K-R-I-S-T-I-N-M-I-C or visit my website at www.thewarriorwithinus.com. Talk to you soon. Thank you.